Blog Talk Radio. You've been listening to Sylvia oh. Global with your host, Gail Sylvia. Finally, a global program specifically for wealthy, philanthropic women who are humble, gracious leaders. Sylvia Global's host, Gail Sylvia, invites you to join her in these conversations with first ladies of nations, households, business, and communities. Trustworthy, live conversations with women from around the globe provides a place for your voice to connect with women of integrity, passion, and purpose. Now, here's your host, Gail Sylvia. Good afternoon. What a a wonderful day and an opportunity to engage in an, an incredible conversation with Rhonda Smith. Rhonda is the founder of Breast Cancer Partners, an organization that focuses on breast cancer recovery through health and wellness. You know, part of our wealth is not always um, defined by how many commas are behind the, you know, in our in our checkbooks and how many dollars are in our bank account, but by our health and wellness in our um, life, how we define our life and how we take care of ourselves. The Breast Cancer Partners Organization um, is here to support women who are recovering from breast cancer. And Rhonda, we're excited to engage in a conversation with you today here on Sylvia Global. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to uh, to have the opportunity to share more about the work that I do in hopes of helping other women who are out there. Good. Recover, restore, re-energize. You know, breast cancer treatment uh, can be a long, demanding process and in, its, in and of itself take a toll on a woman in many ways and our families. Um, by the end of it all, you know, you're... There, there's, it's a tremendous journey. Talk to us about the physical, mental, and emotional, and perhaps spiritual sides of breast cancer recovery, restoration, and re-energizing. Sure. Well, like you said, you know, just hearing the words "you have breast cancer" can be um, shocking and scary at the same time. And going through treatment, just the thought of having to go through chemotherapy or surgery, especially if it's a mastectomy. You know, those are all life-changing, life-altering events and experiences, you know, for us personally as well as our families. And so um, going through that whole process is important to really focus, I believe, on the whole person. And so when you talk about um, the physical, mental, and emotional aspects of of the change that happens to you and what you experience going through that process, it could be very daunting. So... um, what I try to do through my work is to really stress the importance of that. And obviously, as you're going through chemotherapy, you know, most women understand the impact of that physically because of the side effects that happen during the course of treatment. And part of the reason why I do what I do is not only because of my personal experience, but also because of my observations and dealing with other women who are my fellow survivors and in helping to educate them about how to optimize their health and wellness going through treatment and especially living life after treatment as a breast cancer survivor. And so, you know, the important thing is while you're going through treatment, like I said, you know exactly what to expect, but once treatment ends and it's time for you to kind of live your life on your own, there are a lot of things that can happen to a woman physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually 
that oftentimes, unfortunately, she's not prepared for, nor do the doctors really talk about that and uh, if they do, you know, how to deal with that. And so Breast Cancer Partner really addresses that aspect of a breast cancer survivor's journey um, when she's most vulnerable and kind of left up to her own devices to really understand how to recover, re-energize, and restore her life back to normal. And, you know, really how to do that on her own. How to do it on her own. Is that also another reason for why you create the organization so that women would not feel like they're totally on their own? Um, Exactly, or suffer it in silence. And so for women who may not have access to, say, you know, a therapist or those type of resources, um, you know, it gives her a a place to go, maybe to connect with other women um, who are, you know, dealing with some of the same issues. And, for example, one of the things that happens as a result of chemotherapy quite often is, um, you know, it can thrust a woman into menopause unexpectedly. And so if you're dealing with the side effects of treatment, which can often affect your libido and you're thrusted into menopause, um, it really has a lot of impact on your your whole sexuality, your sensuality, your interactions and relationships with your spouse or significant other that, you know, you have to deal with on top of surviving the whole treatment process. And so that not only has an effect on a woman physically, but also mentally and emotionally. And it could also affect her spirit. And if she has had a mastectomy on top of that, you know, the whole body image and, you know, self-esteem issue is factored into that too. And so, like I said, it's not just about the diagnosis, but it's about all the other things that happen as a result of that, whether it's through the type of treatment she a woman receives through surgery or chemotherapy or even radiation treatment. So really it's to help a woman understand all of the implications and the potential impact that can result from her treatment beyond what she experienced during that process and also to help her be prepared for that and, again, connect with other women um, that she can partner with to help her get through that process and support her in, in overcoming that process. What was your journey? What, you know, tell us about your life before the, you know, hearing the words from a physician or a nurse saying that you have breast cancer. What was life like for you? Well, life for me was really driven by work. Um, I, you know, for me, work was my number one priority, and it was all focused on that and really making money. And um, the year that I was diagnosed, the first half of that year, which was 2008, I spent that time communicating, I'm sorry, commuting across country um, for my consulting work. And so I would get on a plane Monday morning, fly to Southern California from Miami, get off the plane, go to my client's office, work all day, and get up and do that again the next day, and generally worked about, I would say, 10-hour days on average, and then fly back to Miami on Thursday night on the red eye. So I did that about six months um, every week with exception of three weeks. And so at the time, you know, I I thought I was superwoman for whatever reason and didn't really stop and acknowledge how stressful the weekly commute was in addition to my work schedule and the fact that I wasn't eating well, I wasn't exercising, I wasn't sleeping well. And, you know, I think the combination of all those factors really created um, a scenario for something to to happen or me to have some sort of health issue 
And in my case, unfortunately, it was breast cancer. So um, I think it was a combination of those things and, and probably stress creating the right environment for that to happen for me. Uh, so, you know, that was my life before breast cancer. And then after going through that whole experience, I realized that uh, my health and wellness should be my number one priority and has become that, and that's how I live my life today. So instead of work driving my life and my number one priority and everything else coming after that, um, my health and wellness is my number one priority, and everything now, you know, is secondary to that. To that. How has your um, you, how has your physical health um, improved since well, the experience? Well, let me, let me say that I when I was diagnosed, I actually started working with a integrative nutritionist and also a doctor of integrative medicine in addition to my conventional medical team. And so I really changed a lot about my nutrition, a lot about my overall health and wellness and my approach to, to that, that. And that has stuck with me, you know, throughout today and will for the rest of my life. And so I wanted to make sure that I did everything in my power that I could to stay strong and healthy um, throughout my entire treatment process and not feel so much like a cancer patient. And I was able to get, at least to achieve the kind of results that I was looking for. Um, And so it helped me really minimize the severity of the side effects of going through chemotherapy as well as radiation therapy. And so on the other side of that, I feel as though I'm in, you know, better shape than I was before, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, and all of that. Um, So I really practice what I preach, or at least I aspire to do that every day, and I really feel a lot healthier um, than I did before, and I manage my life in a different way than I did before that enables me to, to live that way. What advice would you give to a young lady who is in their you know, right out of college, starting off on her career and an A-type personality that, you know, just thinks that she's superwoman. The way I used to be, right, um, when I was that in that phase of my life. Um, I would say I think it's important to really understand um, what your passion is. Um, you know, and your passion can be your work, but, you know, work um, shouldn't necessarily be the complete driving force in your life. And I think if you're doing what you love and what you're passionate about, it doesn't seem so much like work. And I think all too often, being young, we try to um, live up to certain expectations and not necessarily be in touch with who we are and what really our true um, passion is. So I think it's important to try to tap into that early on because, you know, work becomes a big part of our lives. And if you're not really passionate and enjoying what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, I mean, that in itself can be a stress in your life and take its toll on you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. So it's important to really kind of define your own purpose in life through your passion and to make your choices and decisions about your life's work and what you do for a living from that vantage point. What advice would you give to the the older young lady, you know, who has more responsibilities and perhaps it's the, you know, the single mom of three children who has been diagnosed and has financial pressures and other worries that continue to plague her, yet she still has to address her own, 
you know, recovery and ability to re-energize? Well, I would say the first thing is, you know, to know that she doesn't have to go through this alone and she doesn't have to bear all the burden solely on her own and that there are resources out there for women to tap into if they're struggling or challenged financially while they're going through a breast cancer diagnosis and the treatment process. There definitely are resources that can help provide financial support to women who are in that situation as well as emotional support um, can you give us an well. example, Rhonda? Well, um, within our community here, um, there's there's assistance, like there's an organization called Cleaning for a Reason, which actually provides um, free cleaning services for women who are going through cancer treatment. And I believe that organization is actually national. So if you go to cleaningforreason.org, you'll be able to find a local service provider for that. In our community here, there's also um, an organization called the Sandy B. Miller Miller Foundation that provides financial support and assistance to help women pay for their mortgage, their car um, payments, or utility bills. So whatever assistance they need, there's financial support from that organization here in our community. And um, Cancer Care is also a national organization that can help women all over the country identify resources within their local communities that can provide financial assistance and support and direction for where to go for that. What is what are the most important parts of recognizing the symptoms and at the early stage and preventing this? Well, you know, sometimes there are no real symptoms unless and, you know, unfortunately, it's a late-stage diagnosis. But what I what I stress with women, and especially now because we're in Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and, you know, it's a great thing um, to pump up the volume, so to speak, for the importance of um, getting annual mammograms and early detection. But I think we should really continue to do that every month out of the year, not just reserve that for one month out of the year. And so... I think in spite of the fact that we're, the recommendation is to wait until you're 40 to start having mammograms, I think it's important for we as women, whether you're a teenager or in your 20s or 30s, to be mindful about your breast health and to also do your own self-examinations on a monthly basis because I see more and more young women, unfortunately, being diagnosed with breast cancer in their 30s for sure and even in their 20s. So. You're never too young to be mindful of and pay attention to your breast health and to do self-exams. And I always share, um, you know, information that I come across with women that I talk to, you know, on a daily basis. And one of the most important um, pieces of information that I came across a couple years ago talked about, um, it's a study that focuses on girls going into puberty a lot sooner than maybe our generation of girls did. And the consequences of that, and one of the things that they cited in the research is that if a girl goes into puberty between the ages of 8 and 10, uh, her chances of and risk of getting breast cancer increases by 50%. And so I think it's important to be aware of that. And so girls, whether they're in their late teens or early 20s, um, for that very reason, should be more mindful about their breast health and pay attention to Um, You know, whether they have lumpy breasts or fibrocystic breasts, you know, it's important to notice how your breasts may change over time and to make sure, again, that you do your own self-exam. If you have no family history or if you don't test positive for the BRCA gene and so you're not 
you know, not having the diagnostic test in that case, but it's important to do your own self-exams on a regular basis to kind of stay ahead of the curve because early detection does save lives. What about attitude? Well, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is um, about life, and it's life is about 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it and your attitude about that. So I think attitude plays a huge role in no matter what happens to you in life or what life throws at you, whether it's a breast cancer diagnosis, you know, or some other life-altering experience, it's all about how you respond to that and um, how you embrace sort of the opportunity to learn and to move forward and to make changes in your life for the better. And the breast cancer diagnosis can certainly be that. And I try to help women understand that it, it's not necessarily or always a life-limiting event when you're diagnosed with breast cancer, but it can be a life-altering event and a life-enhancing event and, and something that you can come out on the other side of, you know, in a very positive light. So you can be bigger, better, and, and bolder than you than you were before and stronger than ever before. What about the mistakes that women, and I, some of these questions are coming in via listeners. Uh, okay. What about some of the mistakes that women make after surviving breast cancer? I think that they're referencing a, a, a notation in your blog um, okay. back in May that indi- where you indicated that research revealed that female cancer survivors are more likely to smoke and have unhealthy behaviors than women who have never had cancer. Yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, research study that was published. And unfortunately, I actually have personally witnessed women that I know who have been diagnosed with breast breast cancer and they actually smoke or don't necessarily live a healthy lifestyle. And And I think it's so important as a breast cancer survivor to focus on your nutrition and maintaining a healthy weight and also being physically active because there's also research that provides evidence that if you're a breast cancer survivor and over time if you're very sedentary and gain weight, it increases your risk of having a recurrence. And I know for sure that I wouldn't want to have to go through that process you know, ever again as long as I can help it. And if there are certain things that I can do to prevent that from happening, like being more mindful about my nutrition, staying physically active, and managing my weight, then I will certainly do that to avoid that happening again. So, um, you know, there's some women, just like you know, I'm sure women who may have had heart disease or suffer from other types of chronic illnesses that may not necessarily practice the proper lifestyle uh, behaviors that can help them stay healthy and prevent their disease from um, getting worse. And, you know, it's just about a lifestyle choice that people make for them, unfortunately. Do, so. you, find, uh, do you find that um, some of these lifestyle choices that have, you know, well-documented consequences are a way of a woman dealing with other fears in her life and um, not placing tremendous, enough value on her worth in her value as a human being? Um, It could be. It could be their way of dealing with, like you said, the stress in their life or not dealing with the reality of their diagnosis. Um, And honestly, I've I've probably seen more women smoke their way through it, if I could put it in those terms, rather than drink their way through it. And either one of those behaviors is not healthy um, as a survivor especially. 
but it could be um, their way of dealing with the stress of their diagnosis and having gone through that experience or whatever other factors may be in their life, whether they're you know, dealing with um, the demands of work or the demands of their family and just life in general or, or all of the above. Um, I guess we all need our, our outlets or our vices, and, you know, we choose what works best for us. And so, unfortunately, for some people, it's smoking. One of the for me, I exercise my way out of things. You ex- so, yeah. The next question actually is, have you come across any studies that link personality types to survival rate? Wow, that's all, that's a very interesting um, question. I have not seen that specifically, but what I have um, come across is um, information on more of a scientific approach to the whole mind over matter um, uh, concept, and it's a, a scientific term called psychosocial nu- nu- psychosocial immunology, and um, I'm sorry, psychoneuroimmunology, and it's really the scientific study of mind over matter and how powerful the mind is and can actually, you know, possess the ability to heal us when certain things happen to us, or it can also cause the opposite effect if you focus on, it's just like focusing on the positive versus the negative. If you focus on all the negative aspects of what's happening to you, you could end up in a downward spiral. If you focus on positive and and like you mentioned before, having the right attitude, you know, I've seen people overcome things that they weren't expected to survive. And someone who's diagnosed with a stage 4 breast cancer who has, you know, it's metastasized, you know, their prognosis is not very positive. But I have seen women actually, you know, have a positive attitude and are perseverant, you know, they're very um, persistent in terms of their treatment and, and, and overcoming it, and they actually do survive it, and they're living a life that's cancer-free. So um, I think attitude can play a role in, in, you know, in how we survive what happens to us from a health perspective. Oh, you know, in October... And and that goes with personality, too. With personality, it absolutely does. And so um, it is also an opportunity for a woman to change the direction of her life, you know, and to reprioritize it because we're... Um, it reveals how vulnerable we are, and all of the things that we think we have under our within our control. There are certain life and death moment, you know, types of experience where we're reminded that there are many things that we don't have in our control, but yet we can choose, you know, yeah. how we want to survive through them, or we and a part of that choice could be, you know, giving in and giving up. You know, where others may choose to, you know, to fight and to improve their life so that they can have a healthier um, life experience. Right. So it's, it's for me, I define it as choosing to be a victim versus being victorious. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, that can apply to any situation that happens to you, whether it's breast cancer or, or any other life-altering experience um, that may happen in one's life. And I think as women... You know, we by nature are nurturers and caregivers and we spend, um, you know, our days really giving and doing and being for others. And, you know, if if we're mindful of it, you know, at the end of all that, we we pay attention to ourselves. But often, say more often than not, we do that on a daily basis, whether we're giving at, at work or giving to our families 
giving to our communities or, you know, doing all of that, you know, we do that on a consistent basis and then we're depleted and don't necessarily take time out to um, focus on taking care of ourselves. And so if you consistently do that over time, yeah, it, it does kind of take its toll on you. So I think for what I try to encourage women to do and and get them to commit to me to do is to put their health and wellness first and, you know, make sure that they take care of them first because if they don't, then they're not able to do all they need to do and give as much as they need to to everyone else and do that in a very productive and healthy way. And also it's okay, you know, to say no without feeling guilty about it. And I think for me that was one of the most important lessons that I learned from going through my whole breast cancer journey and how I need to live my life after that because I, I cannot, you know, work 14-hour days or 10- or 12-hour days, you know, seven days a week or consistently do for others all the time. Um, I have my limits, and if I continue to do that, I realize that I was really not living a healthy life, and it was taking its toll on me, and I felt it physically. So I had to sort of take a step back and regroup and set boundaries for myself and say, between, you know, nine and six, you know, I do my work and I do for others, but before and after that, it's my time. So my time in the morning is devoted to exercise and and doing meditation. You know, after that in the evenings, it's it's my time to do whatever I need to do to help me recover from the day and just to rest and uh, be good to myself. And so that's worked for me and other people around me now know that and they respect that and support me in that too. So and I'm able to be as productive as I need to be within that time frame because of that. In in October 2010, you were first runner-up in the the Moore Magazine contest, Why Mm -hmm. This Is My Most Fabulous, Why This Is the Most Fabulous Time in My Life. You know, as a way of closing out this conversation today, share um, why this can be the most fabulous fabulous time in a woman's life? Um, you mean ha- having to go through that kind of experience with breast cancer? Yes. Yeah, and so I'm at a very pivotal time in, in my recovery process. Um, you know, I when I completed treatment, I assumed that I could pick up my life where I left off the day before my diagnosis, and that wasn't necessarily true because I was a different person after that whole experience, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And it didn't hit me until months later, and I didn't understand why I wasn't able to physically do certain things like I used to be able to. And, you know, there were a lot of things about me that were different that I didn't really understand. And so... I struggled with that, like um, many other women do, and, you know, their life lived after treatment ends. And so trying to really overcome that, um, I did a lot of soul searching and, and really trying to figure out my life and where I was going physically, um, personally, professionally, all of that. And so after going through my own personal journey and sort of self-awareness process, I realized that um, on the other side of my breast cancer journey that I had found a new sense of purpose and passion in my life that I wanted to devote my time to, and that was creating Breast Cancer Partner and helping other women um, recover 
from their breast cancer experience and help them understand how to live a healthy life. And so I felt a lot more energized. I felt a lot uh, more optimistic about what the future held for me. And I felt more empowered because I knew that I can control my outcome and, and my destiny and what I chose to do with my life going forward. And so that essay question came at the right time for me, and I felt um, a rebirth, like I said, in a sense of purpose or a renewed sense of purpose with my life and um, that I could make a difference in the lives of others through the work that I chose to do going forward. Rhonda Smith, thank you so much for being here with us today on Sylvia Global. Our listeners can contact you via breastcancerpartners.com. Is there any additional information that you can share so that we can support the work of Breast Cancer Partners and you? Well, we're on Facebook, um, so at Breast Cancer Partner, and we're on Twitter. Um, and um, we're constantly promoting information and sharing information um, about all aspects of a woman's recovery and to edu- educate them not just about life after treatment, but to support them and educate them on how to optimize their health and wellness from the time of diagnosis all the way through the end of treatment. So um, my goal is to be the the one-stop resource for all the information that they need related to their health and wellness while they're going through their breast cancer journey. And how can we support you? Um, Well, you can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, you can sign up for our email um, distribution list. We publish a monthly newsletter that uh, provides information, again, all about health and wellness, whether it's through research or evidence-based information or products and services that are focused on health and wellness that can help support the survivor um, and her needs. So um, generally speaking, that's just what people can do. If you contact us and stay connected, Um, and share the word about what we're doing to your fellow survivors or women that you know are diagnosed with breast cancer. Rhonda, thank you so much for being here. Look forward to having you back again. Please take care of yourself, and congratulations on your multiple successes and for reaching out to help other women. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you.